Welcome to the Jankiest Podcast featuring two of the jankiest people in the Magic the Gathering community, King of Jank and Undying MTG. This is Hour of Jankest Station. Hey, what's going on everybody? Eric here and welcome to another exciting episode of Hour of Jankest Station. Today, unfortunately, my co-host Josh is not here with me so you guys get the privilege and honor of just dealing with me doing this solo mission so here we are today we're going to be talking about first we have five jank spank bank cards for you guys and then after that we're going to be going over the challenger 2020 decks in their entirety so that way you guys can see where the value is at and mark down any notes you may have over what we are going to be discussing so that way you can see where these cards lie and in regards to other formats outside of standard and then not only that where you're going to be finding your value monetarily speaking for those of you that are on a stricter budget than others so to start off with here we go with the jank spank bank baby so starting off the jank spank bank today we're gonna be talking about mace of the valiant and it's a three drop one white and two and it is an artifact equipment obviously with a equipped cost of three and then equipped creature gets plus one plus one for each charge counter on mace of the valiant and also has vigilance and then whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control you're gonna be putting a charge counter on it so i wanted to bring this up for budget reasons and then also it's like fringe competitive and i'll explain why so my personal thought process on this was that I thought that this could go into some sort of a token build. Rather, it was Boros, Naya, or Selesnya. And I know this would kind of be like the exclamation point to the deck. And I also wanted to note here that it is an equipment. So even if your creature gets removed, this does not go to the graveyard like an aura would. So also the thing is, is that it gets a charge counter, right? So... The charge counters don't go away. So even if your creature does get removed that this is equipped to, the charge counters remain on the equipment, and then you can just pay the equip cost and then give said creature plus whatever, plus whatever, right? So what I was personally thinking as like a jank, speedy, if you will, play, uh, say that you're not playing green or you don't have a green source out on the board like a dork to speed up the process of getting stuff out quicker. We go turn two, play, till, oh god, I'm so terrible at pronouncing here, so it's Tillanali's Summoner, which is another great jank card in my opinion. Unfortunately, yes, it is easy to remove because it does have a one toughness, but it's a two drop, one red, and one, and it has the ascendability as well as if you control ten or more permanents, you get the city's blessing for the rest of the game. So whenever... Tillanali's Summoner attacks, you may pay X and red. So if you do, you're going to be creating X, 1, 1 red elemental creature tokens that are tapped and attacking. And then at the beginning of the next end step, you exile those tokens unless you have the city's blessing. So what I was thinking in my head was, of course, as those that want to refer to as the quote-unquote nut draw here, so we have the most optimal plays in our possession going into our starting hand we'll play something you know one a uh, particular one drop turn one just say well, just any sort of creature in this scenario it doesn't really matter so we'll say a one drop creature and then you have 
Tilanali Summoner, play that turn two. Then you play the Mace going into turn three. Turn four, you're going to equip said uh, equipment to the Summoner, and then you'll have one extra mana available. The problem is, is unfortunately, because we only have the one, we're not going to be able to use that uh, activated ability for the Summoner. So then going into turn number five, we should, in theory, we'll just say again for the quote-unquote nut draw here, we're going to have five lands out on the board that are available to us, one of which is going to be a red source to pay for the cost for the Tilanali Summoner. So we're going to attack with it, and again, it does not tap because of the equipment saying it has Vigilance. So when it attacks, we have five mana available. So if we wanted to maximize our play here, we could pay the one red and then pay four in the X. So then the equipment cost here would get four charge counters. So then now the summoner becomes a five, five creature. And then, you know, this is not until end of turn because those counters again, do not go away. So now it's a five, five on turn five. And I know that's kind of a stretch, Depending on what you're doing, you don't really want to leave yourself open. I do understand this, but again, we're just going to talk about the, the synergies here so that way you guys can kind of see where my mind's going, okay? So now, this is a 5-5. Five, five. You also have four 1-1 one, one beaters out on the board, and you should at this point have the City's Blessing. So those dorks, or not dorks rather, but the 1-1 one, one creatures, the chump blockers per se, will be available not uh, on your uh, opponent's turn after attack, but the following turn you can keep them untapped if you need to for potential blockers if you need some available. So that being said, you're going to have the summoner will be a 5-5, five, five, and then you will have four 1-1s one, out swinging, so a total of 9 damage going in on turn 5. And again, I know that some people are going to say, well, the uh, saying that has been used towards me before is, is, well, if you're playing against your opponent, that's like a goldfish and they're not doing anything, waiting till turn five should be fine. But I'm just trying to give you the most optimal scenario as far as trying to throw this stuff out there. But if you need to play defense, obviously play smart. You know, don't throw out the mace right away on turn three. If you have something else that you need to play, like another creature, or if you need to play some sort of a removal, then do so. I'm just trying to show you the step-by-step -step process on how I would like to stack these cards together so that way you get the most usage out of them, okay? So another thing you could do here, instead of using the summoner, the summoner I feel should be a later game thing, but what I would prefer to do for uh, speedier attempts to get stuff out and get those charge counters on would be going with the Sky Knight Vanguard for Boros. And you could throw this out here on turn two. And then also, you know, play the mace turn three, unless again, you needed to do something else. And then you could put the, the mace on the Sky Knight Vanguard, attack with it. And then every single turn, you're going to be pumping out a creature. And then if need be, uh, on turn five or whatever you could play other sky knight vanguards and then you could also you know if they're attacking you're gonna be producing more tokens and then which gives that mace more charge counters and then you'll be able to bolster this thing up rather quick and it is a flyer so that definitely helps out for those that might be looking for flying options to deal with some other flying creatures that your opponent might have so that is all i had on the mace and i know again it's a slower card but it does have that, that fringe, uh, almost competitive, 
aptness to it as like a late game thing. So again, you don't have to play this on turn three. You could wait until later in the game so that we have more mana available. Or if you wanted to, you could play the enchantment to where you not only cheapen the equipment cost, but it also attaches to a creature when it when uh, it enters the battlefield. So that way you don't have to worry about paying that equipment cost. So just keep that in mind if you're trying to look at it from more of a uh, competitive angle, so to speak. So that way you're getting the most bang for your buck in regards to your play. So next we have here is SRAM's Expertise, which I felt was a bargain for us budget-style players. It is a 4-drop, but here is the icing on the cake here. So we're going to be paying for 2 white and 2 colorless. It is a sorcery, and we're going to be creating 3 one, one colorless servo artifact tokens, and then we may cast a card with converted mana cost 3 or less from our hand without paying its cost. That, my friends, is value. And I don't see why people don't see the the, the play with this like I personally do, because there are so many cards that you could play for three or less that would give you additional value, or just having a free play. Like there's so many like in my mind I'm going creatures, so there's so many creatures out there that you can play for free. And you're basically getting seven, I guess you could say seven mana for four because you're spending that much at max between the CMC to play the SRAM's expertise and then the three CMC that would be for said card that you get a free play on. Now, there is another card that I was thinking about doing, which would be insane, which I'll get to here in a minute because it is another jank spank bank card of the day that i wanted to touch on but price wise for this card it's coming in at 44 cents on average and then five cents for the low currently and then a dollar 30 for the foil for those that like the shinier things in life but i was looking at this card for the creature etb things and then also for those that are looking at artifact stuff because these are three separate artifact creatures and then again also artifacts so if there's any sort of artifact synergies or anything like that I just felt that this was something janky to consider as like a mid-game thing and then again also you get the free play with the three or I should say three or less so you can have something that's either three two one and then you just get to play it right so that is really all I had on that I just felt it was something worth noting and I did have some deck ideas that I'm trying to throw this into and I'll probably I should say probably I should have some examples as to deck text and stuff like that coming up in the near future that have this card in there and then you guys can kind of see where my brain's going with it so then next we have is Hanweir Garrison it is a three drop red one red and two colorless it is a two three human soldier and then when it attacks you get two one one red human creature tokens onto the battlefield tapped and attacking so this was another thing that was kind of in my mind when in, uh, talking about the creature tokens and stuff like that to use like with the mace and not even just with the mace, but this was just kind of its thing on its own. I just felt the value in this was just huge because you're getting two creatures. So anything where you have creature ETB, this thing attacks, you get two creatures that hit the board. So then you get two triggers and then not to mention you're getting attackers and then you don't really care if they die. They're just, they're just there. You just want them for the ETB effects. And then also anything else that gets bolstered up by creatures, like any creature where it says like their power and toughness are equal to the number of creatures that you have out on the battlefield this will help you out dramatically 
And I just want to note here that the price for what this can do for you in uh, Pioneer format, I feel is very, very solid. And it's definitely a steal and something that you guys should consider to acquire for your trade binder. Then next we have is Carrie Zeb's Expertise. It is two red and one. It is a sorcery. And then you get to gain control of target creature or vehicle until end of turn. You untap it. It gains haste until end of turn. And then you may cast a card with converted mana cost two or less from your hand without paying the cost. How many times in a red deck have you thought to yourself, man, I could play this three drop and say a two drop if I just had one more land available in my mana base, right? Say like going into turn four is what I'm trying to get at here. So you could play the carries of expertise, take control of one of your opponent's creatures, and then also get the free play. So you could potentially use a burn spell or just any sort of other creature you're looking at trying to hit the board or enchantment or just anything that's two or less. Boom, you get your free play. And this thing is super cheap, monetarily speaking. $0.10 cents for the low, $0.42 cents on average, and $1.49 for the shiny little foil if you're into that thing. So I just felt this was huge. I think it's great for budget-minded people. And I also think that this should be considered in any sort of mono-red build that you're looking at playing in Pioneer format. And I do think it's a shade too slow, maybe, for modern depending on the build or if you're going to use it for a mono red build for uh, modern I think that you should probably only be running one maybe two and more that'd be like a late game thing to try to take control of something that your opponent has like a big creature threat that you just don't want out on the board so that way you can swing in for extra damage and then also get that extra free burn spell play with that two CMC or less and then the last card that we have here is the Witch Stalker. And what I wanted to touch on here is that not only is it cheap, monetarily speaking, because it's 20 cents for the low, 64 cents on average, and then a buck 49 for the foil. It is a three drop, two green, and one. It's a wolf, three, three for the base power and toughness, has hexproof, and then whenever an opponent casts a blue or black spell during your turn, you're going to be putting a one, one counter on the Witch Stalker. So, I personally felt that you could main board this in some sort of a green creature build, but I felt that this would be more of a sideboard piece if you know that your your deck per se, not saying that it's weak against blue or black, or if you just want to have something that's in your sideboard that would disrupt a blue or black deck that your opponent might be playing, rather they have removal that they're trying to use on your turn, or if uh, you know, you're worried about them countering something and you want to try to get some sort of advantage, like so you play something, they counter it, you can, you know, put a 1-1 counter on the Witch Stalker, and that would uh, make your opponent think before they play. Like, if you play something, say, well, is it really worth me burning a counter, or is it worth me trying to use the removal, because then this thing is going to keep growing, and all that stuff. And I know it's not, like, super big, like, at first, because you're kind of looking at it like, well, is that really worth a turn three play? I think that it is worth a turn three play, because with the base power and toughness, that's pretty solid. And considering it does have hex proof, I know it doesn't have like indestructible or pro blue or pro black or anything like that. But I think for what it can do during the course of your game, I think it's one of those things that your opponent's definitely not going to want to see out on the board. 
But going back really quick to Kerry Zeb's expertise, the big thing, I kind of like dropped the ball here, but I just wanted to touch back on it, was if you were running Boros, you could have SRAM's expertise and also have Kerry Zeb's expertise, say, in your hand. And I know that this is the whole nut draw thing and all that stuff. So with the SRAM's expertise, you can cast a card with converted mana cost three or less. So say you played the SRAM's and you also had Kerry Zeb's expertise in your hand. You could play this, get your three Servo Artifact tokens, then you could play the Carry Zev's Expertise for free, take control of one of your opponent's creatures or vehicles, and then you also get to pay uh, nothing to play a turn or a CMC two or less from your hand. So that is just huge, huge value in my opinion, and it's something that I definitely was wanting to toy around with and try to test out on MTGO to see if it would actually work the way I think it has the potential to work. So that is all I had for the Jank Spank Bank. And now we're going to be talking about the Challenger 2020 decks. Okay, so going into the Challenger 2020 decks, I did already touch on the Cavalcade Charge and the Allied Fires deck on the YouTube channel. So if you want to fast forward through the those two decks and all that stuff feel free to i'm not going to be mad at you guys for it so uh the other two i do not have videos on so i'll those will be brand new so for those that might have missed those you will see them being discussed here on the podcast so to start off with we have the allied fires one coming in at about 71 dollars and 54 cents for the paper copies like if you were to go out and try to buy these singles instead of just buying the pre-con here which to me that just tells you right there just that in of itself you should consider getting in my opinion all four precons which we will touch on as to why as we go through these decks so you have two fey of wishes and then those are coming in at a buck 58 for both those copies and you have the one kenrith the return king and then also we have the narset parter of veils two Sahili Sublime Artificer, three Kasmina en Enigmatic Mentor. Then you have three Sarkon the Masterless, one Ugin the Ineffable. And then we also have three Deafening Clarion, two Drawn from Dreams, and two Time Wipes. Then going into our enchantments, we have four Omen of the Sea, two Banishing Light, and then four Fires of Invention. And then our land base we're looking at, we have four Interplanar Beacons, five Islands, two Mountains, Two planes, one steam vents, three swift water cliffs, one temple of enlightenment, one temple of epiphany, and one temple of triumph, and then three tranquil cove and four wind scarred crags. And then going into our sideboard, we have two devout decree, one Dovin's veto, two fry, two revoke existence, one Ashiok dream render, one Dovin hand of control. Three Thirst for Meaning, one Mass Manipulation, one Sarkon the Masterless, and then one Time Wipe is all of the deck, all 75 cards. So I just felt that this was a huge, huge bargain because this particular deck has a lot of cards that are being used in multiple formats. And then just starting from the top here, we got Fae of Wishes is definitely being used in Pioneer. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I have seen some jank commander builds that use this to try to grab stuff that they don't have in their deck as a play. Uh, I'm not sure about CEDH, 
but I definitely know that I've seen uh, some casual builds that use this to try to grab some stuff as a, a, a tutor card and all that good stuff. And it's also, again, I use the word tutor. It's a cheap tutor for those that are looking for a card to have in their commander deck to try to tutor into something that they otherwise would not be able to tutor for. And then for it being basically under a buck for a non-foil copy, to me, is a steal. And then good old Kenrith. You know, you can't go wrong with Kenrith. So that's definitely a uh, commander, commander staple I've been seeing as of late. And then also it's being used in Pioneer in some way, shape, or form. Rather, it's some budgety brews, or uh, there has been a few meta builds that use like one or maybe two copies at best. But more often than not, that's going to be more of your EDH card. And then you have with your NAR set, Parter of Veils. That one's being used in Pioneer as well, outside of Standard, and it's also being used in Commander, from what I have seen in Budget Brews. Again, I don't know about CEDH for those that consider that a thing, because I know that that's kind of a quote-unquote controversial term, because some people say that CEDH doesn't exist, that it's just Commander, and it's just quote-unquote power levels, but for the sake of conversation, I will refer to it as CEDH. And then next we have with the Sahili Sublime Artificers. I know they're being used in uh, budget brews in Pioneer. And then also I've seen them in budget commander brews. Um, again, another one I'm not sure about CEDH, but I could definitely see this in budget brews across the board. And then with the Casmina Enigmatic Mentor, I have not seen this personally in any sort of uh, format outside of standard. You know, you guys can let me know, rather it be uh, on the old Twitter machine, the Discord and all that stuff, but I haven't personally seen anything. So then going on to Sarkon, that has been being used in Pioneer, and I don't think I've seen anything personally in EDH. Uh, when I was going through on MTG Top 8, I think I seen some decks that use this in Commander. I could be wrong. You guys let me know, you Commander junkies out there. You can let me know about that one. I could see that being one that be used in budget Commander builds because you're going to be uh, getting stuff off of Dragons and all that good stuff. And then the Ugin the Ineffable, I could see this one being used in Commander. I'm not sure if it is, but... I definitely know that it has been used in some Pioneer uh, budget brews to try to, you know, slow play their opponents. So um, I have seen it there. And then you have the Deafening Clarions. And when I was looking on the MTG Top 8, it was um, used in Pioneer. And that there was actually some modern decks that had this included in it. So you guys can check that out to see what kinds of decks those are were that had those copies in it i can't tell you the quantities but i do know that there were decks listed on there that had the deafening clarions in it and then drawn from dreams the same thing i've seen some decks that were listed on uh, the mtg top eight for modern and it also i have seen some decks on mtgo running this in pioneer i personally haven't used them I see that there's actually other cards to consider versus Drawn from Dreams. I would say an upgrade would be uh, Dig Through Time or even Treasure Cruise. If you're still looking at something from like Sorcery Speed, if you didn't have the money for the Dig Through Time, you could always get the Treasure Cruise. I feel it would be an upgrade from this. And then you got your Time Wipes. 
I personally don't like time wipe uh, just because um, it's a it's a five drop with the two white and the blue, and I know that verdict is pretty much the same cost minus it's a uh, four drop versus a five. But the good thing about verdict is it can't get countered, so I think that's a way better option than time wipe. And then there's other four drop options that are just mono white that I feel are a better choice than time wipe if you are looking to upgrade certain stuff that's in this build. And then going into the enchantments with the Omen of the Sea, that is definitely being used in Pioneer in inverter builds and also in other janky uh, budget brews and other meta-style decks that incorporate blue in their decks and rather be for card advantage or enchantments, all that stuff. Vanishing Light, I just know that's a that's an, like a staple kitchen table budget removal enchantment for white fires of invention that one's being used in pioneer as well and that's one to consider i think that's a bargain that you could get all four of these in this deck so you don't even have to worry about getting a play set and then going into our lands i noted this on the youtube channel when i did the video but just being able to get the steam vents and then getting your three temples your one uh, for the enlightenment epiphany and triumph I think that in of itself is like a sale for me to get this deck because I noted that I, I personally hate getting land cards. Like I hate buying them because I feel like they don't do anything for me. You know what I mean? Like when I'm spending money, I want to spend money on a card that I'm like, this is going to do something for my deck. It's going to make my deck do something. And I know the argument is, well, you need the lands to make the cards do stuff. But here's the thing, guys. I, I know that it's a necessary evil, but I also just don't like feeling like I'm just going, Ugh, I'm just throwing away my money just so I can play this card faster. You know, for like in this particular situation to get steam vents so that way I can get a shock land, you know. Like the temples, that's not too bad as those are like some of them for the non-foils, they're under two bucks. So that's not really a big deal. But as far as the shock lands, I mean, I don't like spending over 10 bucks on a card. I'm a very frugal monetary speaking player when it comes to buying stuff so if i can get a card like this in a pre-con i'm totally going to get it so that way i can get other cards and then again like i noted in the youtube video you guys can use these decks as trade bait in the future if there's certain cards that you're like i really don't want this but i know that other people could use it i can trade out of them to try to trade into something else always keep that in the back of your head so going into the sideboard Devout Decree is just a budget-friendly removal option. I personally don't really use it at anything, but it is a decent sideboard card because it does target black and red, so you can exile a target creature or Planeswalker and scry one. Then you have one Dovin's Veto, which if you're looking to quote-unquote upgrade, I would just say add another copy or maybe even two copies for those that love to say nope to their opponent. And then you have two fries, which is another one I feel, depending on what your play style is, you could always add one in here. I don't know if you would feel the need to add two for a total of four in the deck. And then going into the revoke uh, existence, I think we could you know substitute that for something else to upgrade for an exile artifact or enchantment. And then the Ashok Dream Render, I felt this one was one that not only do I love this card, I absolutely do love this card, and it's a great Demir card to have in your collection. I felt we could use at least one more in the sideboard because I feel just having one, if you're trying to sideboard it in, I just don't think that that's just going to be enough. So I think having another one or even maybe two on hand 
would be something to consider. Then the Dovin Hand of Control, I'm not really sure where, I haven't really seen this in Pioneer or in any other format, but I do like the upside it holds, even though it is a three drop because the just it being out there, it's artifact, instant, and sorcery spells your opponent's cast cost one more, which is great if you are going up against another controlled style deck. If you pop that off turn three, and your opponent doesn't have anything to counter it, you can get that baby out and then make their counter spells cost one more to cast. And no no uh, control player likes to pay more for anything. <laughs> I know that personally just from playing against uh, plenty of control players and knowing some and knowing that they just want to be able to not have to pay tax for anything. So Thirst for Meaning, again, this is another one where I feel we could upgrade. I feel Treasure Cruise would be a better upgrade. I know this is an instant speed card, but the thing I don't like about this is then you have to discard two cards unless you discard an, ench an enchantment card. And there's not a whole lot of enchantment cards in this deck out of the Omen, so you're more often than not going to be discarding two cards. And I do know that there are going to be plenty of times where you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to play this card, and I know I'm going to be discarding land cards probably in this particular scenario, but I just feel that more often than not, you're going to be ended up discarding something you might not want to. So I just prefer to have the option to use Treasure Cruise, or again, Dig Through Time would be the most optimal upgrade here in this given situation. So next we have is Mass Manipulation. I haven't seen that being used in any other formats. And then the we have another Sarkon, the Masterless, and then the Time Wipe, which again, with Time Wipe, prefer Verdict or any other four drop option that we have for a wipe. All right, so here we are with the final adventure deck. This one's coming in at a roughly $88.54 for the singles if you were to price this out on Card Kingdom. And when I did price this out on TCG, it was roughly around 80 bucks, And then... Um, as I've said it before in the other two videos I've done prior to this, uh, talking about the Allied Fires and Cav Cavalcade Charge deck, I used the Decked app, or uh, Decked Builder app, rather, I'm sorry, to import the list and the optimizer on there sometimes pulls more expensive cards. So even if you shaved off money, you're still going to be paying more in singles than you are if you were to get this pre-count. And I'm going to say that for every single one of these. You're going to pay more if you were to buy the singles. And I know the argument's going to be made that once these pre-cons are released, that the prices of the cards are probably going to dip in price. But even still, it's not going to dip enough to where it it's going to make these decks not valuable enough to you as the buyer to purchase these, especially with the lands, because the shock lands... Look at the Shocklands. There, there's so many reprints on them, and they're still staying roughly around the same price. So, I mean, it don't matter how many times they get reprinted. It's like they're still going to be around that 8 to over 10 bucks in some cases for those land cards. So, to start off here, we're going to talk about which one of these cards or each one of these cards that you could see outside of standard. So we got the four edge wall innkeeper, which as of right now, I haven't seen that being used in any format outside of uh, standard. And then foul mirror or Meyer, is it Meyer? Yeah. Foul Meyer Knight. Um, I have seen this in some budget brews in pioneer just for extra card draw, but I haven't personally seen it 
in any meta decks off the top of my head. It could be thrown into competitive aggro black if you're just wanting to have like a one drop, a quick one drop that has death touch to try to kind of, you know, ease the pain, so to speak, if you're going up against like a, a green deck that has those big clunky creatures and as long as they don't have trample, or even if they do have trample, as long as you block it with uh, this guy, it's going to take care of business if they don't have indestructible and put them in the graveyard. And then next you have is the two knight of the Eben or Eben Legion, whichever way you want to pronounce that. And for those that can't see this and are listening to this on the podcast, it's averaging uh, 10, 10, so 505 for each copy. And that right there, my friends, is bargain right there. That is a huge bargain value because I absolutely love this card, but I just didn't want to buy them. And I'm, I, you could also trade into them. You could do that. But I absolutely love this card, and I'm glad that to see this in here. And then next you have the two Black Lace Paragon, and I haven't seen that in anything outside of Standard. And then Order of Midnight, this is another fantastic card, and I'm glad that they put four of these in here so you're able to get a playset of those in this deck as well. And I have seen this in some budget brews for Pioneer, but that's about it. Next you have is the Four Smitten Swordmaster, and that was I've seen that in some budget night brews in Pioneer, but nothing in the competitive meta, so nothing really outside of standard as of right now. The Four Love Struck Beast, I feel that's another bargain right there because that is being used in Pioneer format, and the fact you're able to get four of these is a great, great value. Then you have the Two Midnight Reapers, which, again, I actually like this card a lot. I know there's other options as far as trying to get card draw for a three drop creature whenever something dies. But I like this because it's a zombie and it's also a knight. So you could use this if you're trying to go tribal, you have a zombie and a knight. And then you have next is the two murderous rider, which this is another value town card because a lot of people are using this in pioneer. So this pretty much eradicates trying to use heroes downfall. You're going to use murderous rider instead because it's basically heroes downfall with legs because you're going to be able to use the swift end ability and then pay another three on your turn to bring this baby out and do some damage and also gain some life. Next we have here is Vraska, Golgari Queen, and this baby is averaging 1031 for the single copy. So you're going to be getting one of these, which, again, even though they're going to be reprinting this, if it drops two or three bucks, I mean, you're you're still it's it's still a bargain, and you're getting a Planeswalker. So keep that in mind. The next we have is two Disfigure and then two Find Finality. And I'm not quite sure if I've seen any Finder Finale. I have seen some Disfigures in Pioneer, rather be Budget Brews, and I have seen some meta decks that have used those as like a sideboard thing if they're going up against like a chumpier styled build because I've noticed whenever I've tested out some chumpy styled decks, I've seen some Disfigures come out periodically. Not a lot, but periodically every now and again when I've gone up against some sort of a black build. So I do see some people trying to sideboard those in in case they're going up against a speedier styled creature build. Then we have the four Lucky Clovers, which that's going to be more towards standard because, again, I don't see a whole lot of people using them in Pioneer as far as trying to go adventure heavy. But the good thing is, is if you do like playing standard, 
having four of those lucky clovers is a good value bargain as well. So here's where you're really going to get your value in this deck. You got your two castle lock twains and you get one fabled passage. And as you guys can see here, for those that are watching the video here, you get the two castle lock twain for a total of $11.92 on average right now on Card Kingdom and then $18.59 for the one fabled passage. That right there pretty much pays for the deck in of itself. And that doesn't even count the other cards we were talking about that are being used in Pioneer, such as the Knight of Eben Legion and then the Murderous Rider. That right there sells me on the deck. And for those that are looking for pack fresh cards without having to worry about having to sift through the old TCG player or anywhere else to try to find good near mint copies, there you go, my friends. And then going into, oh, I should even say before that, I didn't even realize this. You get two temples. So you get not only the, the castle locked when you get the fabled passage, you also get the temple. So you get two temples of malady, and that's your Golgari option for your temple. So you get that as well. So that right there, my friends, if you're, again, I said this before, if you're like me and you don't like throwing away money on those land cards, there you go. There is your value. And then going into our sideboard, we have one cling to dust. Then I think that's a very a budget-friendly option for those of us that want to try to look for some graveyard hate and then also getting some card advantage if uh, you did exile a creature card. Then the Duress. This is a budget-friendly staple. Mostly everybody who has been around enough in Magic, you have these in your collection. But just in case you don't, if you're a newer player and you want some of that budget-friendly hand control stuff, here you go. You got four Duresses in your hand. Next you have is two Crawl Harpooners. I don't really see that being used in anything outside of standard for budget brews. Then you have four Noxus Grasp. I have seen this in some budget brews in Pioneer. I don't know off the top of my head if I've seen any in any of the meta decks, but I know for a fact when I've just been trying to test out some janky brews, I've seen uh, Noxus Grasp being sideboarded in. Then Thrashing Brontodon. Uh, that has been used in some budget brews again in Pioneer, and this has been like a staple and standard uh, since it's been printed. So keep that in mind. Then you got two Massacre Girl, which I feel is just great value. Excuse me. I've always liked this card. The only downside with this card, if you're trying to look at it from a board wipe standpoint, there has to be creatures out on the board. But the good thing is, with if you're using this in EDH, chances are there's going to be a slew of creatures out on the board. So as long as you know like there's a couple creatures that are between one toughness and two toughness, chances are you're going to be nagging out the board all the way across. So anything that might either have hexproof or indestructible, this is your way around it because when Mask Girl enters the battlefield, each other creature gets neg one, neg one until end of turn. And then whenever another creature dies, it pretty much keeps stacking and stacking and stacking. And then more often than not, you're going to be just left with Mask Girl out on the board. Okay, so next we have here is the Cavalcade Charge deck, and it is coming in at $102 currently on Card Kingdom if you were to price this out for the singles. And then we're going to run through this baby here. We got four Fervent Champions, which 
I personally haven't seen them being used on Pioneer as far as I haven't played against them, but there has been some lists that I've seen for Pioneer on MTG Top 8 that has included this card in the build. So you'll be getting four of those. You'll be getting four Scorch Spitters, which this card is super value for those of us that are on a budget and you want to play Mono Red. This is a fantastic one-drop card. And I touched on this in the old uh, YouTube video going over this. Then you have three 10 Street Dodgers, which I haven't seen that being used in any sort of competitive brew by any stretch. Then you have four Rimrock Knight. I have seen this in Pioneer. I've seen it being used in some budget brews. And then I've also seen it in some competitive brews, but I think it was more or less in there until they got some upgrades because I kind of seen how their deck was playing. So it's not a bad card to try to use temporarily in a competitive deck if you don't have certain stuff. And then you got your four Runaway Steamkins, which again, I've slammed this into the ground and I've told you guys that Runaway Steamkin is a fantastic, fantastic red card that I feel that you just have to have in your trade binder because it is basically again i know i'm going to be just ramming this in but it is literally red ramp land ramp for mana so having this in here just by playing your cards it's going to be getting beefed up and then you can just remove the counters to get your red and just keep on playing and plugging away so then next you have is your four bone crusher giants and again this was another one that it's being used in pioneer and it's also being used as a staple and uh, standard currently as well. And then you have your four Torbran Thane of Redfell, which this one's being used in standard. It's being used in Pioneer. It's being used in Commander, rather it be it's the Commander or it's just being part of the 99. It is in there. So this is another one. You're getting four copies of this. So once you buy this deck, you don't have to worry about trying to get any more copies of it because you have all four. And then even if you don't want all four, say you're like, well, I just want it for the commander. Well, now you can trade the other three to get something else. And then next we have here, Planeswalker-wise, we got three Chandra Accolade of Flame, which this is a steal, in my opinion. I absolutely love this Planeswalker because... You're able to not only bolster up the counters on red planeswalkers you control if you so choose to, but that second ability of creating the two two or uh, the two one one elemental creature tokens. Because I'm looking at this from value of ETB effects, or if you're looking for stuff for decks where you want some stuff to sack. So if you're looking at Rakdos, uh, that is a great option. So you're going to be getting three of those, and then you get four light up the stage, which that is going to be a staple red card in eternal formats going forward. I feel because you're not going to be paying the three. Your chances are you're going to be playing or uh, paying rather the one to play this card and you're going to be getting all four so you don't have to ever worry about getting any more copies of light up the stage once you buy this deck the next you have you get one ember cleave and this thing again it's being used in pioneer so you can get one of these and this is as of right now 20 bucks on card kingdom so this almost pays for the entire deck with this one card and i know i'm gonna sound like a broken record here but again it's gonna probably go down in price once this baby comes out as far as the uh, decks get released but even if you dropped it down we'll call it 12 bucks or even 10 bucks you're still going to be having a copy of this that you don't have to worry about spending that kind of money on you're getting one copy of it and in most decks you don't need any more than two anyways so even if you had to trade into another one 
you're it's really not that big of a deal. So then next for our enchantments, you got of course the Cavalcade of Calamity, and you're getting all four copies, so you don't have to worry about acquiring any more once you buy this deck. And then going into our lands, you get three Castle Embraths, so you're almost getting a full playset here. So even if you do have to, you know, you have to go out and buy one, you're only going to be spending like another buck. So not not a big deal here. So then next you have is three Satyr's Cunning, which which that, you know, I haven't really seen in Pioneer or any other Eternal format. And then you're getting your four shock, which for, you know, most of us here that are listening, um, you already have these copies in your trade binder because this has been out from, God, I don't even remember when it was first printed. I want to say Tempest maybe? That might be when it was first printed. But, I mean, even if you're a new player, now you'll have all four of these, and it's being used all across the board as a budget-friendly burn option. Everybody loves this thing. Next, we have is Three Slang Fire, which I have not seen this in Pioneer as of yet. And I think, I think this is just uh, in standard currently. Next, you have the Tibalt Rackish Instigator. I have seen this in Budget Brews in Pioneer. I have not seen it in Modern, but I have seen it in some Budget Brews in Pioneer. And then you have the Three Experimental Frenzies, which this has been being used in Pioneer, so you're getting three copies of that, so you might have to acquire one, but at this rate, you're looking at you're spending just under a buck, so even if you have to, you got to spend one buck to go get you another copy. So next, we're going to be talking about the Flash of Ferocity deck, and this one is coming in at $100.17 if you were to price out all the singles currently on Card Kingdom, and it was around the $85 range when I imported it off the decked builder app, so it was pretty close. And then again, if you shave some money off, you're still going to be paying more for the singles than you are if you were to buy out this pre-con. So here we are starting off here. We got four Spectral Sailors, and this is being used in both Standard and Pioneer. I'm not sure about Modern off the top of my head, but I know for a fact that this is being used in Pioneer Spirits, and I have seen it pop up periodically in just other random blue builds that are trying to look for a cheap one-drop option that has some upside for card advantage. So you'll be getting a playset of those. If you don't already have any on hand, well, there you go. You get all four. Now you don't have to worry about buying the other singles. So now you got is four Brian, uh, Brian Bourne Cutthroats, which I have seen this being used in some budgety uh, Pioneer builds but I have not seen this currently in any sort of meta build. You guys can you know, throw it down in the comments below if you have, in fact, seen these. And then you got four Wildborn Preservers, which this is another one. I've seen in some budget green builds in Pioneer, but I have not seen this in any sort of competitive meta. And then here we go, Brazen Borrower. This thing is one of the cards where you're going to be seeing some huge value as far as monetary speaking. You can see here 2377 on Card Kingdom right now just for one copy. So this card alone damn near pays for the entire deck. And there is more to come as far as value, my friends. But Brazen Borrower is being used just all across the board in Eternal format, especially in Pioneers, being used in all kinds of decks. So you're going to be getting one copy of that. And then next we have is Wave Break Hippo Camp, which I just think they just threw this in here for just, you know, the standard value because I personally haven't seen it being used in Pioneer as of yet. But uh, it's still definitely a good card and just something just to, you know, 
have in your trade binder. And then you have four frilled mystics, which this has been used in standard in budget brews and some competitive decks as well for some counter option. And then also just it's a basically a counter option with legs. And then you have four night pack ambushers, which this has been used in standard currently. And this one's going to be uh, for your wolves and all that stuff. And then also you get some upside with it with the old tokens and stuff. So then next we have is for our spells, we have is four ops, which that's pretty much a staple in blue for card draw. You have two unsummons, which it's just, again, it's a budget-friendly option. It's been around forever. And if you don't have any, now you'll get two. Ugh, excuse me. Next we have is four quench. And then, uh, again, if you don't have any, now you'll have a full play set that you'll get in this pre-con. The next you have is two Thassa's Intervention. And, again, this one here I don't believe I've seen in Pioneer. I could be wrong that it is being played, but I personally haven't seen anything. And then next we have here is two Sinister uh, Sabotage, which this has been being used in Standard, of course. I have not seen it personally in Pioneer, but it doesn't hurt to use in Pioneer because there's still people using three drop counters in there. And if you just want to use this and, you know, surveil, then by all means use it. So next, going into our land base, you got two Castle Vantress, and then you get one Fabled Passage. So that, again, Brazen Borrower, the Fabled Passage, putting those two cards together, you're over 40 bucks in just those two cards. So that's right there, Value City, right? Then you have your two Temple of Mystery, and then you get your, uh, yeah, your Temple of Mystery. Your, I was going to say your Thornwood Falls. That's just a budget-friendly option. So you do get your two Temples nonetheless, and then you get your Fabled Passage and your Castle. That right there, again, value. Going into our sideboard here, we have three Aether Gust, which that I think think is being used in Pioneer. I'm almost positive it's been in sideboards and stuff. I remember going through deck lists. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I know that it's being used in standard, but I'm almost positive I've been seeing this pop up in sideboards for Pioneer as well. And then we got two Disdainful Strokes. That's a budget-friendly option that I've been seeing in uh, sideboards as well for Pioneer. Two Negates. It's been used forever. Everybody knows about that. We have three Threnody singer and i i have not seen that being used in pioneer and then we have two mystical disputes which that is being sideboarded in pioneer rather it's inverter i've seen it in there and then other um other blue options rather be like the omni science style decks where you're going to be using the lotus fields and all that crap um so basically lots of lotus field decks that i've seen use this in the sideboard and then going to <clears throat> Excuse me, we have Shifting Ceratops. I have not seen this personally in Pioneer. I could be wrong if there are builds that use it because I don't remember everything. But just I personally haven't came across any sort of deck that is running the Ceratops as of yet. So this is more of a standard thing currently. But overall, it's a fantastic deck. You get a lot of value. So if you're trying to maximize your money, definitely get this and again it's going to help you especially with those lands where i personally just don't like spending the money i just don't so you get your fabled passage and then you also get your temples 
Okay, so that's going to be wrapping up this episode of Hour of Janka Station. If you guys have anything you would like to add, feel free to hit me up at UndyingMTG on Twitter or hit the sub button on UndyingMTG YouTube channel. You can find me there, of course, and then every two weeks, roughly, me, Josh, and Mr. Lang Gallier, we play some EDH. If you guys are into that, we'll be playing that on MTGO, and uh, that's always a good time. And then also you can find Mr. Josh at King of Jank on YouTube. And then also on Twitter at King underscore of underscore Jank. So let me know what you guys think about these challenger builds. Also, if you have any options as to cards that you want us to discuss on this podcast, feel free to hit me up and let me know what you guys want us to talk about for some budget-friendly options or just some cards in general that might be of note that have a good buy-in slash trade-in value. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And then, as always, keep it janky.